listening to The Apple Slice, an educational podcast about education. Hi, welcome to The Apple Slice. I'm Sandy. And I'm Melissa. And today we're going to be talking about the flipped classroom. Right. I think this is definitely one of the like trendiest topics we've ever covered. Yeah, so trendy that although my article's a little bit older, I can't really find current research about it. Not that there's just old research, there's just not much research supporting or you know, just proving it. Just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of what I read was anecdotal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is how it works for me. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing some of the, talking to our students and then knowing some kids that are older, the flipped classroom is kind of catching on with maybe high school right. setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope so, after definitely reading more about it. Yeah, it definitely seems... I buy into it. Mm-hmm. Although I will say right now in one of my college courses... I flipped it, but after really reading into the flipped classroom, I don't know if I completely flipped it the right way. Okay. I just changed it. I put it on its head a little bit, but I don't know if I completely flipped it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, but that gave me the vision of let's change what class looks like a bit. So we're going to be talking about the flipped classroom, and um, I definitely think going into this, this is one for the old, if you teach older students. Like probably yeah. like junior high and older. Yeah. I mean, I could see maybe it being done with, I don't know, some type of summer school maybe in elementary. Okay. I could see that. Or um, an advanced group in elementary, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like a gifted cohort, mm. something a little different. And, and Okay, so it's flipped classroom. Some people call it inverted, but I really haven't heard that much. No, I would stick with flipped classroom. Yeah. Um, but what you have to have is resources available outside of the classroom for it to work. Right. So these high schools that, or middle schools or junior highs that gives each student a tablet or an I iPad see. or mm-hmm. something or a laptop, that's how it works. But we all know if you've been in the elementary classroom, you can't assume they have anything at home. Mm-hmm. And so... That is needed, and if we're not going to supply our kids with those resources, then you can't do it. Great point. And then, of course, it also lends its lends itself really well to college age. Yes. Mm-hmm. Although I'll tell you, this semester I have someone that does not have a tablet or an iPad or an, a laptop. But at least here we know that the campus provides that. Right. There's a computer lab. Right. Mm-hmm. There is. Yeah. No, I, I kept going. I said, but yeah. you got to find You got to work it out. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about what the flipped classroom is. Okay. Um, so the idea of a flipped classroom um, is that you, you flip it. You lecture and you teach not in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And then you practice the skills in the classroom. So the traditional approach is that people come to class and mm-hmm. the, the teacher is lecturing or teaching the lesson mm-hmm. and then that they give homework. Right. And so this is actually the reverse of that. Right. And so um, like I, I read something about how the by you giving an online lecture or a presentation of some point, it actually helps students a lot because let's say in my online lecture, or even you know if I just recorded a keynote or a PowerPoint with my voice over it, students can speed up 
if they've got something and they're not getting bored in class, or they can have you repeat it over and over and over again. Okay. So they listen to the lecture. Oh, I like that. At mm-hmm. home. Um, and they can kind of pace themselves as they, as they need. And then you practice it or expand on it more in the classroom. So even if that is, you know, a math class, you're giving the math lecture at while they're away from you. And then you're having them practice those things in the classroom. Okay. I think that I liked this definition. It's thinking about how to best utilize the in-class time that you have with students. Right, right. And, and we all know, um, and even if we don't, like we should definitely know that immediate feedback is the best way to teach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can all agree that those those teachers that we learn from that you would do an assignment and you wouldn't hear anything back for a week and then you think, oh, what I have you know, thought about this lesson or this idea has been wrong this whole time, it's hard for you to go back and relearn mm-hmm. something. And so having that immediate feedback and then also the immediate correction of student misperceptions, then you're really like solidifying their knowledge, Mm -hmm. which cannot be done if you are lecturing in class and they're practicing at home. Mm -hmm. I initially had resistance in the sense that I'm thinking, but students can't ask questions for clarification while I'm going through the material. Mm -hmm. But I think now I've thought, you know, there is something to be said for a time of reflection. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they need some time to, they have their question, but then as it like sits there a little bit, mm-hmm. either you think about it more and then you bring that question later. And I think you get like better questions. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, some kids won't ask questions. True. Even if they do have the opportunity Sometimes it's because they don't know they have a question because they can't even grasp the most basic of what you're trying to tell Mm -hmm. them. And we all know that it takes some intellect to ask a question, which a lot of times that we we forget, even if it's they don't understand to ask a question or they're too shy. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, having that reflective time to say, okay, this is what I don't understand. Processing time. Right. Yeah. So to start with, if you want to think about flipping your classroom, you start by thinking, when do students need me the most Mm -hmm. during my learning cycle? Mm -hmm. Do they need me at the introduction of a topic? Do they need me at the application part? Mm -hmm. Do they need me to help with the analysis? And that's a good way for me to wrap my head around this. Right. Because I'm like, oh yeah, they probably don't really need access to me when I'm just introducing the topic. Right. They probably need access to me more when they're trying to apply it to something. Right. And I have never done this for like something that is um, extremely skill setty, I guess, like um, like learning how to do certain math problems or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I've only practiced this teaching style in more of a theory-based classroom. Well, in the article I read, it definitely said you need to think about what types of lessons lend themselves to being flipped because not right. everything does. Not in the least. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. no. And also thinking um, I am um, a big believer in learning in social situations, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, so I think that people, most people, through having an honest conversation with their peers can grasp, grasp something 
a little bit more clear, or they can own it a little bit more, or having, um, having to explain it to someone can help them. But they have to have that root-based knowledge first. Mm-hmm. And so um, for me personally, having a lecture that explains it, they're not needed. But then I want them to come back and discuss. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of online discussions. Um, I think it's because I do them the wrong way. I read through things and think, okay, if I'm if I'm taking a college class, I know how many times I have to respond, right. and, you know, and conversate back and forth. And so it's not a real. Con- I I can't have authentic conversations online. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just me. I don't use very many forums either. Yeah, um, but not everyone's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I also. Um, I learn best through talking to people. And so I really like to make sure that when we do come back together, even if it's like a theory-based idea, that together is when we talk. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, you know, the whole point here, if you haven't picked up on it, is that you're having your lectures outside of class time. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way to do that, of course, is through some use of technology. Mm -hmm. Um, It's... Uh, let's see. The article I read talked about screencasting, mm-hmm. and that is when it, it captures your computer screen, mm-hmm. which could be your PowerPoint or something else, and then your um, audio, your talking is placed over top of that. Yeah. Um, it also suggested, which I haven't tried and I've been challenged to think about now, is including a small window with my actual face oh. talking. I know. Not that anybody wants to see our faces. <laughs> But it did make me think, like, that's just another level of, like, audiovisual that's right, being added. Right. And maybe putting that little screen down in the corner would be helpful. I have used screencasting a good couple times. I'm actually pretty comfortable with it, and I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's easiest to voice over a, a PowerPoint or a PowerPoint and, yeah. that you already have. That, that is you, the easiest thing. That's definitely easier, but some things don't lend themselves mm-hmm. um, to that type of learning. And so there has been, I think it's actually screencast.com and you only have five minutes to do it in. And so mm-hmm. it'd be like a little snippet, mm-hmm. um, but it definitely does work best. And I think if you're like saying like, you're going to go here and then click here yes. and then click here. And so they can see you actually moving your cursor mm-hmm. to capture that. Or like if, I mean, even even for how I explain screencasting into like the elementary classroom, um, let's say I have taught my third graders how to do this certain type of math problem. Okay, uh-huh. I'm going to do a screencast, and I can even do it on my smart board, my Promethean board. Okay, this is how I taught those kiddos in class today how to do that math problem, and then share it with parents. So mm-hmm. when the poor kid gets oh, home, great and they have homework. And, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times my dad would try to teach me how to do a math problem, and I would say, that's not how the teacher did it. Right. My dad would, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not the teacher. I don't know. So that is something very easy if you want to start dabbing your toe into something like I that. I like that. And, and I and like it that you can't see my face. <laughs> <laughs> and in this, in my article, I think there was a link to help you know how to screencast. So you can so check that out if you friendly. want to. Yeah. But something else I was challenged to do was it's it suggested also using a digital pen in mm-hmm. when you are recording your lectures. And I could do that even if it wasn't my face showing, if it was just my PowerPoint. Right. So I like that idea too. I'm yes. going to think about trying to do both those things. Yeah. Um, this is my first semester doing a flipped type classroom. Um, and 
it definitely did not go off perfectly, mm-hmm. but it was a good learning experience. And I mean, the article that I read something um, said something that was that, that was spot on. They said the lack of hard scientific evidence doesn't mean teachers should not flip their classrooms. Indeed, if we only implemented strategies supported by decades of research, we'd never try anything new. <laughs> and so I think it's even really important that I've told my kids, okay, we're going to try this. I don't know if it's going to be successful, right? but I'm learning. I'm constantly learning. And this is easy to do with education prep students because I'm modeling for them how to try something new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I even think like if, if, um, as a fifth grade teacher, I let my 10 year olds know Miss Melissa, they didn't call me that. (laughs) Miss Hess is trying something new. I might fail, but it's a it's 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 a learning process because through me failing, I am going to learn something, and this is to make me a better teacher, to make you a better student. I think right there is just a lesson. I you like know? that. So definitely, um, I had some you know nothing, no hard scientific um, data by any means, um, but um, I did have some numbers that, you know, were fairly convincing. Um, one survey of 453 teachers. So that's a good amount of teachers sure. who flipped their classrooms. 67% reported increased test scores. That's pretty nice. Um, with particular benefits of students in advanced placement classes, which I was like, whatever, and students with special needs. Hmm. That was more interesting to me. Um, and, and then that ties into um, something else that this article goes into, and, and we'll share our sources like we always do. Um, but it talks about brain research and how typically our brain, um, the novelty of, um, of stimulus tends to wear off after 10 minutes. So us talking now for 13 minutes, we've lost some people three minutes ago, mm-hmm. right? I completely believe that. Sometimes I... Yes, we lose me. each other. <laughs> um, but like even same thing through a lecture. Um, I know that I've taken a class online before. I would seriously stop after about 10 minutes and go do dishes and come back. Mm-hmm. Or You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so this lends itself to, if we tell learners it's okay to turn me off and come back when you're ready to learn again, mm-hmm. it helps those kids. It helps those kids with special needs to be able to pause or rewind and go back. You know, over and over and over. So we're definitely creating a more student-centered experience. Yes. And, 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 you know, I've even made the argument of people need to know how to learn through blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but what's our goal? Like in this instant, for me, in this flipped classroom that I am doing, I need for them to understand and own education theory, right? Maybe now is not the time that I teach them how to be good listeners, I completely agree. Wait, hold on, I'm not done. So, um, in that 453 teachers, 80% reported improved student attitudes. Sometimes that's the the biggest uphill battle right there. Especially with their older students. Yes. 99% said that they would um, try the flipped classroom again next year. Oh, that's high. Out of 453 teachers, Mm -hmm. I can't do the math in my head real quickly, but what, what, is that like 5 to 10 that said, I'm not going to do this again? Uh, 90% is a pretty high uh, positive 99%. reaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think really, if you think about it, this idea is not really new. Because 
As college professors, we always ask our students to read the textbook before they come to class. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not they do that, we can't really control. So it's no. it's kind of kicking it up a notch, I feel like. But it's not essentially really any different of saying, like, I'm expecting you to do this work outside of class anyways mm-hmm. to prepare. Mm-hmm. So now let's be a little bit more purposeful. Yes, exactly. It. And mm-hmm. I am going to put something into it. I'm not going to say, read the textbook, leave me alone. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. It is, I'm also going to put some work into this lesson before you come to me. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I would encourage everybody just to give it a try. Um, so my whole course has not been flipped. One essentially unit has been flipped. Um, I think that's a great point. You know, be patient. Give yourself time. Mm -hmm. You don't have to flip a whole year's worth of lessons. No. And and, and, and I will say that in my class that I'm flipping this, I keep – the communication is really key. And so I keep sending out basically like feeler emails. How's it going? How are you doing? Every time we get together, we talk about our feelings. This is so outside my box. But every time we have a class together, how's everybody feeling? Mm -hmm. How are you doing? Because I honestly want to know. And I hope that I've created an environment. I think I have for the junk that they've told me. A lot of kids will have said, "Um, I'm not loving it because it requires me to do more work and I haven't done it. Well, good for you for being honest. (laughs) And if you haven't done it and then you come to class, it's a whole, you stand out a whole lot more as not prepared. Yes. And the ones that have prepared are saying, are singing its praises. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know my sister, she is a college professor and she'll like intermittently take little surveys. Like, Mm -hmm. so she'll even use like a survey monkey to say like, how did you feel about this? Or what did, what do you remember from this? Uh And that way she can kind of gauge too. What are they retaining? What are they not? Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I did have some students that, okay, so this is college and this particular class is tested on um, when they um, go and get their licensure test. Mm -hmm. And so I did have a particular student say, okay, what happens if this doesn't work because I'm paying for this class and I need to make sure I'm prepared for the test. Mm -hmm. And so although that portion of the class is flipped, I'm going back behind them and making sure you you understand these concepts Mm -hmm. because if they don't understand the concepts, and I have played with the class a bit, it's essentially my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't given them, even if they haven't put in 100%, I, I feel like I haven't given them what I should. So you want to make sure you're getting that feedback. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going basically back behind them and we're going to assess to make sure, mm-hmm. you know, which I, I don't think is, you know, a bad thing. We, we would assess normally. I, I need to know that they, they really own it. But the importance of assessing and really looking in detail how they're doing. Yeah, I think the assessment piece is pretty key. It's just a different kind of assessment, too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very formative all the time. And I think more than any other time, you're modifying your instruction on the spot as you yes. figure out what do they need. Yes, I've mm-hmm. had um, a couple people say, you know, um, this is scary to me because in your syllabus it doesn't say what is due when. And I keep telling them because I don't know. Oh. Because we're basically in a dance here. And I'm responding to how well you do do a particular assignment. And so I offered my kids, this is a list of 15 things we're going to be doing through this unit. Okay, I don't know how long task two will take. I don't know how long task three will take. So I can't tell you two months in advance what type of what type of assignments are going to be due on which day because I think that would be 
foolish of me saying, we're going to plan this and it's going to stay. We're going to stick with the plan no matter what. Because then, interesting, you know, and, and which is really like you know me, like I am a stick to the syllabus, stick to the schedule, and so it's been a little bit difficult. Knowing to some of our students, I bet that is very difficult for yes, them. Yes, mm-hmm. until they understand it's just because I'm. I, I don't know how long it's going to take for mm-hmm. you to do task 13, 14, and fifteen, and so we're we're just going to see. It's tough. It's an experiment. But don't you think all of your biggest like teaching conquests, is that a word? Sure. <laughs> but, but, but everything that you do now and maybe say like in your little toolbox, this is what I do best. You had to take some leap sometime to do it. And you had to fail sometime yes. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most people do not say the best thing I do is read out of a basal reader because that's the most comfortable thing, right? Right. It's these crazy things that you tried and maybe failed two or three times and then you've really got the knack and that's what you're known for now. One thing that I think is really appealing is that the flipped classroom really naturally lends itself to the Bloom's taxonomy. Yes. Because as as my article was highlighting, let um, you are doing knowledge comprehension in your lecture, mm-hmm. and then basically you're assigning knowledge and comprehension again as the homework. Mm-hmm. And so now move that lower level thinking outside, so that when they're with you, now you're doing analysis, application. Yes. Um, because you probably wouldn't assign those tasks for them to do on their own. No, like um, what? Let me find this quote that. Um, that I thought was really good. Um, After a hit or miss lecture, teachers often assign homework, which many students perform in a private hell of frustration and confusion. (laughs) I bolded it. See, like I was like, yes, like Mm -hmm. I just sunk through that 50 minute lecture and now I have to go home. There is no time for me to ask any questions. I'm still confused. And when we come back tomorrow, we're already moving on. And let me speak really transparently. I don't want questions when I'm at home from my students about the homework. Right. And that's not fair, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so I know that they get a better version of me Mm -hmm. when I give them plenty of time to think through and ask their questions while they have me completely focused on them. You know, and so I just do, I do think it is a better yeah. experience. One of the things that I love about this idea of teaching is the better student teacher interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm here, I want to be completely committed to you. And I feel like you get more attention from me if we've gotten all of those first steps out. Right. You know, that we can just focus on you really grasping it mm-hmm. or us really taking our thinking, you know to a higher level and you really, you know, working through like some synthesis thoughts for me. So give me an example. They've been out of class. They've Mm -hmm. done your lecture or whatever. They come to class. Give us like one day. What's something that might happen when you're together? I ask them how they're feeling. Right. (laughs) We got to go through our feelings. Uh, um, And um, so this upcoming class, we are doing a Socratic seminar. Mm -hmm. I, we have not talked about their thoughts yet. I'm assuming they're coming to class with thoughts ready that in the past I will have all, I could have predicted how the conversation was going to go, which was also helpful because I could also predict where I needed to lead the conversation Mm -hmm. right now. They have all of this, um, knowledge about these different theorists but I don't know their feelings on it yet because I haven't been able to see their facial expressions through lecture. And so that is a downfall of, I don't know where this is going to go, 
but also we've spent no class time learning about those theories in a concrete way. And so when we get together, it's going to be our first like organic conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah. we'll see how it goes. And every class session does not look the same. Sometimes it's no. just a workshop. Yes. Sometimes you come together and have discussion. Right. It's going to be different. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's very um, skill-based um, for, in our world, is teaching young college students how to write a lesson plan. Mm. And so um, although it was not a completely flipped classroom, I have a lecture that I typically put up um, on our little uh, on our little learning, learning management. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I throw it up online and then they come to me already have written a lesson plan and then in class it's straight up workshop. That has helped so much this semester. That's a completely different class because they can ask all of their 500 questions in class right there. And typically, if one student has a question, they all are thinking it, but not everybody has gotten to that point or can actually articulate how they're feeling or what their confusion is. Um, And so... Um, that has helped also. And that kind of reminds me of like a math classroom or a science classroom or even like language arts. If, if, I, if I am writing, I'm not going to lecture about how to compose like a personal narrative and then have them do it at home. I am going to explain to them how to do a personal narrative at home and have them do it in class because then all the questions can happen there. Um, in both classes, I have seen more growth. It's made me a little nervous. Yeah. It's made them a little nervous. But hopefully at the end of the day, you know, we'll see positive effects from it. That's great. I just love this idea of challenging yourself to reevaluate the way you teach. All the time. And don't you think it's so easy as, as we teach college to just do the same thing? Oh, yeah. It is so easy to fall into that trap. Yeah, and almost expected. A lot of times I even feel like um, with this that I have people thinking, like, we haven't met every time. And Mm -hmm. in in that theory class, we have met almost rarely because they're busy doing other things. I think sometimes it's more accepted to stand up and drone on for 75 minutes Mm -hmm. that that is more expected because it is normal. And anything that's outside of normal, we question mm-hmm. or, you know, or like I remember I added a field trip to one of my classes and then the students who had already taken the class was like, we didn't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, that's because I'm always changing yes. and coming up with other ideas and evaluating what worked, what didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I also like this workshop mentality idea for the fact that in our college classes, they're sm- on the small side. Oh, I couldn't imagine workshopping so, with like 60 kids. Yes. But yet at the same time, the dynamics of each group are so different yes. from one term to another. Mm-hmm. And so something that worked super well one time maybe doesn't work so great right? because of the personalities that right. are in the room. And that's the same thing from year to year. Yeah. And so this allows yeah. you to adjust for that. Yep. Yep. I like it. So people... Just think about it. Even Think about how you could do this in, I, I don't even have an example, but how could you do this in a kindergarten classroom? How could you do this in elementary? How could you do this in a middle school? I do think it's easier in as soon as a child gets some type, a student gets some type of resource to be able to do this at home, it's going to get easier. Mm-hmm. But Because there's a technology piece, so they have to have access to that technology. Yeah, and, and, and as I'm thinking, I'm even thinking, like, how could I do it in a kindergarten classroom? If I had a community of learners and parents in a community that I could send home 
a, a book and, and if, if I knew everyone read it, right. that's almost a flipped classroom, mm-hmm. you know? Right. My, exactly. my kids understood the life cycle of a butterfly before they came to me. And so we could jump straight to something Ooh, else. You let's know? Just, yeah. There's no technology piece in there, but you, you know. But what a better way than this flipped classroom to really be able to differentiate your instruction. Oh, yeah. Because it's easy to show how I'm meeting the needs of all my learners if I'm doing more than just me standing up there talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it definitely has some potential. I certainly want to look more into this. Mm-hmm. And I challenge you to say, and more than ever, if you have successful stories of Please the flipped classroom, know. we would love to hear them, mainly because we went to steal them. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> Excellent. Well, again, like Sandy said, let us know if you have any ideas that we can share with others. That's what good professionals do. We steal things from each other. Um, I always tell my kids that, like, don't reinvent the wheel. Share. Share, share, share. Yes, please. Excellent. Well, our um, notes are on our website. Um, If you have any future ideas of podcasts you would like to hear us talk about, please let us know. And thank you for joining us. Bye, guys. For more information, including show notes, visit us at theappleslice.info.